Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, welcome. We have a great show for you today. We are going to jump into a discussion about being engaged in the gospel, which, of course, it led me to dive into some research. So, Lisa, beware. Uh, the, the research, of course, now I have to share it with you, is recently in the Barna study. They reported that 35% of Generation Z teens considered themselves atheist, agnostic, or not wanting to be affiliated with any religion whatsoever. So all I have to say about that is yikes, yikes, yikes. Okay, and I have three things to say about that. First of all, you're highly caffeinated. Secondly, you're, you're into your research again. You're in research mode, so beware. And thirdly, that's awful statistics. So I'm excited to engage in today's show. Absolutely. But before we get too far into our show, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. And Lisa, we're so excited that you're you're finally back on after traveling the world and solving um, world peace issues. So welcome to you, too. You're kind of like a guest on the show now. Are, are you feeling more peaceful since I've returned? <laughs> I am. Just having Good. you here is, is, is helping okay. me with that. Okay. Okay. We want to rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships, and we'll have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, we want to welcome our guest, Ben Connolly. He's the co-author of Gospel Fluency Handbook, and he and uh, his, his buddy Jeff have come up with a practical guide to speaking the truths of Jesus into the er- everyday stuff of life. And he also co-leads the City Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Ben has taught in university classes, has also published several books, and trained Trains folks all across the country. As a matter of fact, Ben, welcome. And I think the last time we talked to you, you were living in England. Is that true? Uh, man, I would love it if that was true. But no, unfortunately, you have me confused with someone else. I okay. love well, England and have visited, but I've never lived there. <laughs> all the Bens in my life. You know, it's hard to keep track of all of them. It's a strong start, though, so far. I would, hey, I would Patty, love it if to- that was true one time. You need to do a little more research on that, Patty, okay? <laughs> well, welcome, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well today. How are you? We're awesome. Awesome. All right, Ben. So you and, you know what? Maybe it was Jeff. Did Jeff ever live in England? Not that I know of. All but right. Oh, yeah. I can say yes if it would help you feel better. Please, yeah, please I, do, I, so then we can move on, okay? <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff lived in England for most of his life. That's not true. All right, all right. Well, you and Jeff, you've come together, and you have created this incredible um, guide here on gospel, uh, just the fluency of knowing our gospel. And so share with us a little bit about who you are and why all of a sudden you felt the need to to create this book and this handbook. Yeah, thank you for... Why you were living in England. (laughs) While I was living in England. Uh uh, In, in, in the dream world, as I slept at night while I was living in England, we had this great idea. 
absolutely. Um, no, in reality, though, uh, I've been in Texas my whole life, <laughs> which is not English, um, and have uh, been a pastor for uh, almost 19 years now. And um, w- what I realized in, in pastoring a church and in getting to work with other church planters and pastors, and, and Jeff has a similar kind of parallel story to some of this, um, is, is that for many Christians, it seems like the gospel uh, is, is kind of a past event that greatly enhances our future, if I can say it like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so in other words, the gospel is a historical thing and that it, the gospel event is the life and especially the death and resurrection and the sense of ascension of Jesus. In that sense, it's a past tense event. Also, for anyone who follows Jesus, there was kind of a, a moment or a series of moments that culminated in us starting to follow Jesus, becoming redeemed, becoming saved. Uh, but once that happens, it becomes a past tense event. Um, but for a lot of folks, it, it doesn't really matter except that it, you know, saves us from hell. It gets us heaven. It gets us God. And so it's this past tense thing that, that affects our future. Um, but I think what we see in the gospels and in the New Testament as folks come to know Jesus in the early days, the gospel wrecked their entire lives. Um, and change everything about their lives. It changed their goals, it changed their motives, it changed their pursuits. And so rather than the kind of this two-thirds view of the gospel, past and future, um, we wanted to, to help folks see the gospel greatly impact our present as well. Mm-hmm. So how did you go about doing that? Because I, I was just having this conversation with Lisa. I work with a, a bunch of high schoolers, and you're definitely seeing exactly what you're saying where, you know, they, they all of a sudden they make a decision for Christ, but it's, it's not wrecking their lives. As a matter of fact, they're going, I just see this as, you know, I can't, I can't live up to the standard, you know, the standard here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit of where this idea of of gospel fluency comes in. Um, and, and the term is, is all Jeff, uh, it's, it's not my term. Um, but, but if, if any other realm of life, fluency is kind of speaking without having to translate. You know, I'm fluent in English. I, I know how to speak Spanish, but, but I have to work to kind of translate from English to Spanish. Um, whereas someone who's immersed, even if it's a second language, if they're immersed in a Latin culture, um, over time, they, they stop having to translate. It becomes second nature. They become, they become proficient and then fluent in Spanish. In the same way, if we can, if we can teach others, and frankly, it's a, it's something I have to continue to learn myself every day, uh, to see life through the lens of the gospel or to kind of translate what's going on through the good news of, of the present reality of Jesus and his spirit, um, then all of a sudden we have this kind of new way of thinking, this new way of speaking, this new way of living. So, so how do we become fluent? How do, how do we do this? Uh, let's, let's give an example of you have this Generation Z. You have mm-hmm. a 17-year-old kid that's coming to you, and they're basically saying, you know, I, I might be agnostic, but I'm leaning towards even being an atheist. Well, yeah. what, would you, what would you start doing with it? Let's say his name is Tom. What would you start doing? Actually, that's sure. not a Generation Z. Uh, let's say his name is uh, Exanuel. <laughs> Exanuel. 
kidding. Daniel's lived in England for most of his life. That's to be sure. Yes. <laughs> we'll give him the name. So, we'll give him the name Zach for for generations. Right. How's that? Okay, so Zach, much better. Much better. Zach comes to me, says I'm struggling with belief. Um, I think one of the things that uh, that's that's really unique um, about folks who walk with Jesus for a long time is that somehow we forget that at one point every single one of us didn't walk with Jesus, um, wh- whether we were young or. Older, I got to see my father-in-law uh, be saved, be redeemed by Jesus after um, I was married to his daughter. And so, you know, whether it's, it's young in life or, or old in life, all of us are older in life. Um, all of us start from a place of not knowing Jesus. Um, and, and so I think that, that we forget that, you know, everyday conversations, everyday relationships look a, look very, very similar, whether someone's a believer or someone's not a believer. But as Christians, we somehow forget that. And so we have kind of normal, casual relationships with Christian friends. Um, but anyone who's not a Christian, we kind of put in a box and they become, if I can say it like this, and this may be overstated, um, they become project to us mm-hmm. rather than a friend or rather than just going with the relationship. Um, and I, I honestly think there's something like spiritual about that divide that somehow we start to believe lies that, well, what could I possibly say to that person or how could I possibly interact with them? Um, I wonder if it's something that causes us to kind of shut off um, toward non-believing friends. Um, so, but, but, but back to your question. So Zach comes to me and says, here's, here's my struggle. I, I'm agnostic. I'm atheist, that kind of stuff. Um, I, I think that it was very so much just depending on every single situation. Um, but in saying that it's not a cop out, it's honestly saying, I think my role with Zach would be to, to get to know him, um, to get to know his story, to get to know what specific ways Zach struggles in and kind of what are, you know, besetting and regular sin patterns and that kind of stuff. What is it that's causing Zach's disbelief? Um, we say at the beginning of, of Gospel Fluency, and, and this is from Jeff's book, Gospel Fluency, on which our handbook is based. Um, Jeff, who's been a pastor forever, um, starts the book out by saying, I'm an unbeliever. Um, and, and for Christians, that may be a shocking thing. He's a pastor. How can he be an unbeliever? But, but it's the reality that all of us struggle every single day to believe some truth about God. Uh, and so in that sense, I'm not all that different from Zach. Um, my belief and unbelief may look different. I may struggle with unbelief less, but man, I struggle to believe that God is good because if I believe God is good, I wouldn't go find satisfaction anywhere else. And if I truly believe that God is sovereign, then I wouldn't feel like I have to control the situation or that kind of thing. So I think all I'm trying to say in a really long answer is I think it starts with realizing that there's way more similarities between humans believing, unbelieving, matters less uh, when we admit that, hey, we're first all humans created in the image of God, and B, even someone who's been a Christian for a long time still struggles on some level with truly believing every moment of every day the gospel and, and all of God's promises. Mm-hmm. Those are interesting distinctions, and um, I think it, that that is so true, because I think what we have stood for so much is the things that we're against, and we're so quick to, to discover and to point out what divides us, 
from the other person and where they're wrong and where we're different instead of looking at them, like you said, and go, we have a lot more in common because actually I struggle with the same thing and which mm-hmm. just diffuses so much and it doesn't put the person on the defense so much. Yeah, and so right. I think it's all again in positioning and how we just, like you said, how do we relate? How do we just listen to people? How do we just be with them instead of feeling, making them feel less than, because we know something. So it's interesting. We want to keep talking. This is good stuff. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Girlfriend at Radio. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. It is not a myth that healthy, nutrient-dense foods are more expensive than many junk foods. Researchers at the University of Washington found that healthy foods like lean meats and whole grains have increased nearly 30% in the past four years, while soft drinks and candy have only gone up 15%. Since meat is one of the most expensive items that you purchase at the grocery store, it's a good idea to cut back on meat, especially for health reasons. Filling up on fresh fruit and vegetables is a great way to lose weight, keep healthy, and keep food costs down. Eating beneficial, delicious foods keeps you lean, strong, and in good health. It is possible to eat healthy food and keep costs down. Your goal is to lose weight, not money. For the Fitness Minute... I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back. We are chatting with Ben Connolly, co-author of Gospel Fluency Handbook, a practical guide to speaking the truths of Jesus into the everyday stuff of life. And Ben, we we went into a commercial break just talking about, um, first of all, establishing a relationship with that other person that you're sharing the gospel with and um getting that common denominator, that common ground. And I love that. Just even sharing that I'm an unbeliever as well. And you use the term project. And Elise and I have had several conversations about this over the last couple of decades of people feel that they sense that 
when you're looking at them as, oh yeah, you're my project rather than you're my friend. I, I agree yeah. with, with the questions, you know, I struggle here as well. And find that finding that, that place where you can move forward and, and getting some of those answers together rather than you being the smartest person in the room and throwing up on them. So what are some other things that you would do with talking with Zach, our, our fake generation Z atheist? <laughs> yeah. Um, England. That's right. Our, our, our yeah. British Zach, generation Z, which I guess would be dead. Over there, or maybe that's Australian. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I mean, we do this project sometimes, or project, use that word, so now it's got negative connotation to it. We do this exercise with um, our church sometimes, and especially in, in membership class or partnership classes, we ask about, you know, who are we? Well, in the gospel, God has made us to be his children. He's also made us to be missionaries, and, and we get to be part of... Um, God's sending uh, impulse through through both our city and our world. Um, but we do an exercise during part of that of kind of just asking, um, what are things that you, as, as a believer, if you're joining our church, you're a follower of Jesus, as a believer, what are some things that you do with people that you love? And, and well, let's just do the exercise. So for you ladies, uh, what do you do with people that you love? Well, what do I do with people I love? Some of that I can't yeah. say, Ben. I'm not the right person to ask that. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I should have warned you. I should have warned you. Commercials. Yeah, right. Yeah, That's a good I point. Warned you. <laughs> we definitely should have warned you. Um, I don't know, Lise. What, what? We spend time with people we love. Yeah, we right. Coffee. Mm -hmm. I go hiking. I love, Lisa and I kayak. Yeah, yeah, we have conversations and spend time and. And to Costco, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and then so we ask the same question, like, well, guess what, folks who don't follow Jesus enjoy doing with people that they love, um, and and it just it's weird to watch kind of the simplicity of that question just make light bulbs go off in people's minds or on, I guess, in people's minds um, to kind of realize, oh, we we enjoy doing the same things, um, and, and and we do the same things with people we love whether we believe in Jesus or not. And, and so, again, it, it's back to what we said before the break, that some strange thing seems to happen in the minds of many Christians where all of a sudden I'm nothing like you if, if I don't follow Jesus. Um, and it's just a lie. It's just an untruth in and of itself. Because um, the reality is, you know, we don't spend 100% of our time with other Christians always talking about Jesus. Um we do talk about Jesus as part of the normal conversation of everyday life when, when he comes up and when there's um, encouragement or praise or, or prayer or that kind of stuff. But a lot of our life together is just the stuff of community, the stuff of relationships. Um, and, and so I think with Zach, um, I would encourage us toward the same kind of thing, um, to, to spend time with Zach, not just to get to know him so that I can dissect him, but to get to know him because he's a person created in the image of God. He's, he's been bold enough to share with me, you know, some of the areas of disbelief. That's, that's a risky thing to do in and of itself, and he's honored me in that. Um, and so, you know, for you, you would take that kayaking with you and, you know, go meet him for coffee and, 
you know, if, if your family is having a movie night, then you would invite Zach and maybe his family over to have a to, to watch the movie with you and that kind of stuff. And and we would just treat him like he's a human. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time, get to know him and share life and not feel like we have to look for the the way to, to force Jesus into the conversation every single time we meet him. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, we don't we don't shy away from opportunities to talk about Jesus either. Um, because, again, what do Christians do with people they love? Well, they encourage them sometimes, they pray for them sometimes, that kind of stuff. And, and I think if we can look for opportunities that are natural, you know, when Zach asks a question, what do you believe about this? Or what's your view on this? Or, you know, we, Zach is a 17-year-old, might or might not ask this question. But right now across our culture, you know, people are asking a ton of questions about social issues and economic issues and political issues and that kind of stuff. Every one of those questions people ask is an open door to kind of give a soft answer and avoid talking about Jesus or to actually say, well, if you want to know what I believe, here's what I believe, and to mention the, the truth that we believe because of our faith. And you, you, there are so many interesting things that you just said that I was having to bite my tongue the entire time, Ben, because I kept wanting to interrupt you. <laughs> and I, well, feel free I, at any point. I, I want to unpack. Uh, first of all, you were just talking about humanizing the situation. And I, I think as as Christians, there's so many times that just like you said, that the whole project where we, we draw a line of I'm over here because I have the golden ticket into heaven mm-hmm. and you're on this side of the border right. and I'm going to put a wall up until I decide to go over here and work on my project rather than just, Hey, we're going to do life together. Mm-hmm. And then you get into another part, another compartment where I, I, I see it in, so, so an example would be this last week, I was with someone that is a Buddhist and there were, I, I'm just getting to know this person. So in conversation, there were times when we got into the political realm and Mm -hmm. I would feel guilty because I wasn't taking a stance on some of the things that I, I felt very passionate about. And then you walk away going, I'm a failure. I didn't dance on what I, rather than going, no, you know what? If this was my, like you said, that person that you love, I probably would have waited as well because it's not the right timing. And to really build a spirit to go, you know, I, this, this is a a human that I love and I don't have to get into a a debate. I'm just listening. I'm just hearing their political view, and that's okay. But I, I, I think so many times we, we beat ourselves up going, okay, I needed to talk about Jesus in this point, in this point, in this point, rather than establishing that relationship and humanizing the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, and this is where it gets tricky, right? Of how do you know what the spirit's doing? How do you know what is the right time? You know, it, it, there is no formula because as soon as you start to put a formula to it, then, then people become projects um, and, and relationships take a back seat. Um, and yeah, sometimes it, it is the right time to listen. Um, I, I don't know that Christians are known 
especially by the non-believing world, for our uh, desire to listen to them. Um, because like you said, we, we feel like we have the golden ticket, whether consciously or subconsciously, or at least in their view, we, we look like we have the golden ticket. And so we assume a lot of times that, that gives us the right to open our mouth and say whatever we want um, mm-hmm. to them. And it's really interesting. The Apostle Paul at the end of uh, the book of Colossians um, well, first he asks for prayer that he would, that God would open the door for Paul to speak the mystery of the faith. Um, and I think that that's a massive component to this that, that we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about. <laughs> if the Apostle Paul is asking his friends to pray for him, and he's probably the best missionary and the best gospel proclaimer in Christian history, man, how much more do we need to rely on God to do what only God can do um, and and make sure that we don't try to step through doors that God isn't opening? Um, but at the same time, he, he asks for God to open doors that he might boldly proclaim. Um, but then he goes on to say, uh, essentially, he wants to make sure that his words are wise and that his words are, are salty, which is just another word of palatable, make it, make it tasteful to them. Um, you know, Peter talks about answering other people uh, or answering non-believers with, with humility and respect. Um, and again, I don't know that Christians are known for listening well, and I don't know that we're known for talking about our faith with gentleness. That, that's actually what Peter said, with gentleness and respect and considering their point of view and is what I'm saying tasteful to them. Mm. Um, and I wonder if we learned how to talk about Jesus in a way that was tasteful, and Paul goes on to say answering every person which is to say, let's actually answer the questions that they're asking rather than our prepackaged gospel presentations. I wonder if, I wonder if we could do a lot to, to help non-Christians view of Christians just by changing our posture and how we talk to them and, and to other Christians about Jesus. And that you're absolutely right. Because, you know, when you start talking to people um, and, and people that are kind of on the fence with, with, what what they feel, what they believe. Um, so many of them have been wounded by a believer at some point in their life, whether it's childhood yeah. or early, and um, and and so that's what they associate that with with God, with faith, and that's where you know we have to kind of look at ourselves and, and maybe what we've been doing hasn't been working really well. <laughs> you know, maybe it's time yeah. to kind of analyze some more things. You know. Like you said, I want to come when we come back into the after the break. It's like even the terminology we use, um, yeah, right. like you're talking about project and and even the word convert. Nobody wants to be converted, but share with me what's important to you. But then when you say convert, I'm a project. But I think that's been ingrained in us. It's like we got to go convert them. And but it's, I don't want to be converted to something. I want you to share with me. And let me make my decision. But then I feel like a project. So I'm going to stop right there. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with this discussion. You're listening to Girlfriend at Radio. This is Girlfriend on Togginet. 
Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. With Christmas dinner around the corner, it's time to make a plan to not overeat while still enjoying your favorite foods and the wonderful celebration. If you find yourself at a party or dinner, remember to save your calories. Appetizers can really add the calories up, and the next thing you know, you are overindulging. The average turkey dinner is 3,500 calories, which translates to one whole pound for one meal. Don't let mindless pre-meal eating sabotage your efforts to stay nutritionally sound and to keep your eating light. Think before you pop those bite-sized appetizers into your mouth. Unless they are so good and you are willing to skip something at the dinner table, it's best to bypass the appetizers. Save your calories for the special dinner so you can enjoy your favorite foods. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Togenet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. having a little bit too much girl talk for Ben today, but we have our guest, Ben Conley, <laughs> and he started uh, and now co-pastors the City Church, part of the Acts 29 Network and Soma Family of Churches. He also directs church planning for Soma Churches across North America and has uh, co-authored the newest book, Gospel Fluency Handbook. And Ben, you've just been giving us great insights into how do we become fluent at the gospel gospel and have these conversations with others that aren't believers. So help us out in right now we have Zach and now we we're just going along life and we're doing life with them. We're having these conversations and we're finding the common denominator. And uh, we were once again talking about all the different things that we have a tendency to do as Christians. And and one other point I want to add is that, when we do put the non-believers in a box, it's almost like we have to at times, and I'm just going to give an example. I'm going to judge a friend of mine <laughs> that literally said, I can't stand hanging out with that person because all I do is cuss all the time. And so go with that. What if Zach just cusses all the time? And it's just annoying because our little Christian ears can't handle that kind of dialogue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, I think that's a really good question. I don't know if there's a hundred percent black and white formulaic answer to it, <laughs> but, but I, I think I would start with kind of going, 
I think I, I would start by, by asking if we think we should expect anything other from Zach. Um, so, you know, if you go down a, a road some other time over, you know, whether cussing is a sin or not or that kind of thing. But even if we think it is, or at least it's unwise, or maybe maybe we could frame it like this, it's not what God would have for us. If, if that's the thought, then if, if Zach's already told us he doesn't believe in God, then on some level, like, we can't expect Zach to care what God has for us or, or to try to live by the same authority or same moral code or that kind of stuff. And so, you know, again, back to what we were saying before the break about the Apostle Paul talks about essentially considering the person's perspective that we're talking to, making sure words are wise and palatable to them, answering the question that they're asking. Um, then we have to realize that that as we interact with Zach, we're not starting from the same motivation. We're not starting from the same starting point. Um, and so we can't expect him to hold to the same kind of morals or values, that kind of stuff that, that, that we do. And, and that, follow the same God we do. Yeah, such a great point. And once again, we're joking that Zach is from England, but when, right. as you and, know, and you're 17, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's like they drop the F-bomb as if, you know, they're saying, I'd like some pizza. And just even <laughs> capture that. It's not the same word to them as it is to yeah, us. That's right. To be able mm-hmm. to open yeah. up our minds. What's our end goal right. here? Not that they're a project, but to establish that right. relationship. Yeah, yeah. I think if I could if I could take it another step then, I think that over time, we talked a lot right before the break about just when when is it right to, to listen and just build a relationship and that kind of thing. Um, the other side of that is I think that, you know, God does have his people involved in his mission, and the gospel is good news, and the good news needs to be spoken. It needs to be, you know, exclaimed, somehow, proclaimed somehow. Um and I think, again, there are kind of everyday ways that God might open the door um, to be able to share some of the good news of the gospel with Zach at times. Um, and so let's, uh, I'll share a real-life example, but I'll do it in the context of Zach. So, so let's add a layer to Zach. Um, Zach's, now, <laughs> Zach's, Zach's now a drug addict. Um, oh. <laughs> and, and so here's where the real-life example comes in. Um, a friend of mine was a, was a night security guard at uh, a big factory or plant. Um, and about 3 a.m. one day, one night, the, the other security guard comes in and says, hey, I hear that you're a Christian. And my friend Nick uh, <laughs> responded, just as, as he tells the story, he, he knew that, it, that the next thing wasn't going to happen to get like a high five. I, I hear you're a Christian. Oh, great job. High five, let's move on. It was much more of an accusatory, I hear you're a Christian. And so 3 a.m., Nick's stomach just kind of drops and he goes, okay, yeah, I am a Christian. And, and the security guard, so let's, we'll call him Zach in this scenario. Zach goes, well, I do drugs. What would Jesus say about that? Hmm. That's, a, that's, a, that's a big question. Um, right. And But again, if, if, we, if we put ourselves in the Zach scenario, like if we've been building a relationship, if Zach trusts us, if he's still willing to hang out with us because he realizes that we don't see him as a project, at some point, some hard questions are going to come up, right? So the scenario, um, I do drugs, what would Jesus say about that? And what went through Nick's mind, my friend, is like, wow, there's so many different answers. I could say, well, Jesus would tell you to stop. But again, if, if 
this friend is agnostic atheist, that kind of stuff. Well, that's just going to feed a view that he probably already has of God, that God's about rules and authority and not fun and that kind of stuff. So, so that's not helpful. Um, I, the first thing that, that Nick thought is like, oh, man, I don't really know what, what Jesus would say about that. Uh, it's 3 a.m. You're putting me on the spot here. Um, but if that's true, then, you know, you say you're a Christian, you know what your God says about this. Um, and so, so Nick went through all these scenarios, and he answered, I think, in one of the most, like, poignant ways. He said to this other guard, uh, he said, I think Jesus would tell you that you're putting your hope in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that you, and the, the place you're putting your hope lets you down. And you know that it lets you down because you have to take a hit four, five, six times a day. And so I think that Jesus would tell you that he's a better place to put your hope. Hmm. That's great. Yeah. I mean, again, 3 a.m., that's an amazing answer for <laughs> 3 a.m. Yeah. security guard conversation. But I think that what, what Nick did in that scenario was really genius because um, he, he didn't go with, well, I think Jesus told you he would, I think Jesus would tell you he died for your sins so you can go to heaven and be with him for all eternity. Because um, again, agnostic atheist doesn't believe half the words in that sentence. Yeah. Um, but he was able to share the good news of Jesus in a way that actually answered the question that this other guard was asking. What would Jesus say about this? I think he would say that he's a better place to put your hope. Um, and so, again, I think that there's ways to, to share the gospel with the, the Zacks um, or, you know, the other night security guard or with, with believing friends. Because again, we've all we've established that we're all unbelievers on some level, and with, uh, with with friends who don't know Jesus, in much more everyday ways like that, as we get to know the kind of questions that they're asking. Does that make sense? Mm, totally. Absolutely. I, I was writing that one down. I, I love that of yeah. yeah, putting your hope in the wrong place because that's not mm-hmm. accusatory at all. That's just suggesting <laughs> maybe there's another place here. Yeah, and and it doesn't share every you know piece of the gospel, but it's but it's sharing how Jesus is the good news to your hopelessness or to your misplaced mm-hmm. hope might be a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. Well, and it doesn't put him on the defensive that you just said I'm wrong, and you just yeah. which I which I know already. I don't need you to to shame me more yeah, in this right. or make me feel more guilty because I already do. That's why I'm asking the question. So yeah, it's a yeah. great way of reframing it. So it's not, yeah. it's not like you're wrong. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, we don't think about that. We're just so quick to give an answer instead mm-hmm. of really thinking through and just being with that person in the moment, you know, like yeah, you were saying yeah. earlier and going, what do they need in the moment? They need hope. I mean, that's why yeah. he's asking right now. Yeah, that's and, right. Um, yeah. And, and seeing that. So, um, what, you know, just and, talking and about... Your, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and, and to your point, like just, you know, to, to round out the story, like the, the, the other guard didn't fall on his knees at that moment and mm-hmm. <laughs> declare his need for Jesus, and they didn't go flush the drugs down the toilet and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but the guard did say, I've asked other Christians that, and no one's ever answered me like that before. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to talk more about that. Um, it creates curiosity. It raised curiosity. It opens the door because, to your point, like it, it's inviting a conversation. You've given them a glimpse or a taste that the Lord is good. Um, rather than and, being and hostile, rather than yeah, just right. angry at another, of course I knew you were going to judge me and throw rules at me. Exactly. Instead, it's like, oh, 
Mm-hmm. You're, you're seeing yeah. me and being empathetic towards what I'm yeah. doing. Yeah. And, and so we, we talk sometimes about um, if we can see the gospel like a diamond in a sense. So, so every, every, every diamond commercial we ever see, the diamond against the black background is always spinning slowly, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it is because every angle that we see it from brings out some of the nuance or, you know, this is a girl talk, so I'll say sparkle. Um, it brings out the sparkle in, in, a, in a different way. I've, I've curled up with my mug of my favorite beverage for your yes. intro. We want to help Ben. That's right. Exactly. Uh, but if I, if I only know how to share the gospel in one way, then I'm, then I'm forgetting the fact that the gospel is a lot like a diamond, and there's so many different angles to which we can see the gospel from. And, and, and this angle might not make sense to you, but it might be the angle that God uses to make sense to me and make the gospel truly seem like good news. Um, so hope in that story was one angle of the gospel. It's not the full gospel, but it's one piece of the gospel that made sense to the security guard. Or satis- you know, the fact that Jesus is satisfaction to someone who's dissatisfied, or that Jesus is a friend to someone who's lonely, or on and on and on we could go. There's, there's innumerable promises that God proves true in the gospel of Jesus. And, and if, we, if we can just kind of learn someone and know, like, what, what, what is the question they're asking? What is the issue that they're struggling with? Are they hopeless? Are they lonely? Are they whatever else? Then we know kind of how the gospel can sound like good news to them. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the key because the gospel hasn't sounded like good news. It's been this yeah, more right. accus- accusatory um, message and, mm-hmm. and just compounding the, the, the shame and guilt I already feel um, instead of just um, being good news. And I think, and that goes back to us. Sometimes we forget that it's good news. Even as believers, like you said before, we're all unbelievers, and that's a great way of kind of framing it because we still have a hard time accepting some of the truths, that God is still a good, good father, that he's a good God, that he's a loving God when we see things and things happen in life. And we have to keep reminding ourselves that as well. And so we are learners with them in this journey, and as long as we can position that. Well, we're going to stop right here, take a quick break, and come back and finish up this conversation. We just appreciate it. We are listening to Girlfriend at Radio. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. 
It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Bone loss is quite common as we age, but osteoporosis isn't a certain part of aging, according to Harvard Medical School. There are many things that you can do to shield your bones from this disease. The best case scenario is building the highest bone density possible by your 30s and minimizing bone loss after that. But even if you are at midlife or older, there are still things you can do to preserve the bone you have and even replace lost bone. On top of weight-bearing exercise, they state that getting enough vitamin D and calcium are two critical strategies for keeping your bones strong. Always couple calcium with vitamin D to help with the absorption. The recommended daily intake for calcium is 1,000 milligrams a day for adults up to age 50 and 1,200 milligrams a day for people ages 51 and older when bone loss increases. I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are chatting with Ben Connolly, not the Ben from England, but the Ben from Texas. (laughs) And he co-authored the book, Gospel Fluency Handbook, a practical guide to speaking the truth of Jesus into the everyday stuff of life. And Ben, I have to tell you, you have been delightful. We love that in all your manliness, you actually use the term sparkle. <laughs> what happens here stays here. But now we need to put that on. We need to figure out if we can get you to say the word bling here in our last mm. <laughs> segment. But speaking of sparkle and bling and all that fun stuff, how do we as Christians, as you know, here we are, we're talking to Zach and Zach the atheist, how do we continue to grow our love for Jesus that it just naturally flows out of our pores? So it's even it's, it's even bigger just than just the words that we're using. Um, people will just truly know us because of our love. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that this is where you know we're we're, we're on today to talk about this concept of gospel fluency um, and, and speaking the truths of. Jesus is, is not just something that we do with non-believing friends. Um, I think that one of the one of the ways that we best love our Christian friends, our, our fellow believers, um, is to remind them of, of the same truth. Um, so again, following the conversation that we've had so far, we're all unbelievers in some way. You know, we just talked about you know Jesus being hope and hopelessness. Um, it's not as if once you start following Jesus, someone who struggles with hopelessness never ever has a, a doubt or, or a feeling of hopelessness again. I mean, most of us do on some days. Um, or, you know, even though we believe that Jesus is the one who truly satisfies or is the friend that's closer than a brother or this kind of stuff, we, we still, we still have, have struggles and doubts and there are moments when we still don't believe it. Um, and so the same you know, the same diamond that is the gospel um, and the same angles that, that the gospel seems like good news. I, I think part of fluency is, is practice. Um, it's rehearsing those truths over and over and over again. Again, if we think about fluency in, in kind of the, the language sense, you know, we're born, many of us are born with one or two languages that are primary. 
but then if we're going to become fluent in a language that we're not naturally born into, um, it takes practice. And it starts with kind of getting the rudiments down. What are, what are the basics of the gospel? Well, we've already said, you know, it's past, present, and future. It's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So it starts there, moves on to some of the questions, well, how does this impact everyday life? It's, you know, like a 201 level, and then we keep moving up through, you know, college gospel fluency classes, just like we would Spanish or French or Italian or something like that. Um, and, and I think over time, we practice in the context of community, um, speaking the gospel to ourselves, having other people speak gospel truths to us, speaking truths to them as, as in their areas of unbelief. Um, and, and I think that's the only way as the Spirit opens our eyes to more and more of what God does and gives us a mind to see and, and ears to hear. Um, I think that's how we become fluent in the gospel. And as we do, that's how we speak truth and love, which is the way that, you know, Paul tells us we grow up into maturity in Christ with one another. Mm. So I think all I'm saying is that there's there's less of a divide, again, between Christians and non-Christians. We all all need more of the gospel. We all need more of the truth of Jesus. Um, And whether we're speaking it to a non-believing friend or a believing friend or just reminding us of ourselves, reminding ourselves of it, Mm. um, it's really way less different than we think it is. Mm-hmm. So as we wind this down, like Patty said, you know, we just so appreciate you coming and sharing this with us and letting us talk about Zach because we've been really concerned about him. So you give <laughs> some good insights. And, um, yeah, good. I hope it works. Yeah. Um, how can our listeners find you, find this book and, um, and this series? Because there's like a video series, the handbook. It's like it's a process. Um, yeah, and, right. and just becoming fluent, like with anything, you know, taking a language is like, you have to stay consistent. You, it's a process. It's an ongoing learning. And I think so many times we want the, um, the cliff notes version, and then mm-hmm. we just want to do it once and then be, be an expert and be okay. Yeah, but right. it's, it's ongoing. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's the consistency of it. So can you just explain how they can, um, get a hold of this, how they can use it, um, yeah. Yeah, sure. So, so gospel fluency, um, again, is a concept, and then it was a book published by Crossway, uh, written by my friend Jeff Vanderstelt. Um, and then what we wanted to create, though, um, was was truly a helpful tool to to do exactly what you just mentioned to to help folks actually put some of this into practice um, to give some of the basics and then build on those basics and give some ways and some exercises. To, to really not just leave this as a theory, but to help us truly become fluent, more fluent uh, in the gospel. And so that's why we wrote the handbook. Um, and so, yeah, it's written uh, to be worked through in either eight or 16 weeks, depending on how much time you have to give um, to it. So at its core, it's an eight-week guide um, that has some readings from Jeff's original book. So it's not something you have to buy both. Uh, books for um, the, the handbook has enough content from the original book. But there's some readings and reflections and then some group discussions and exercises to, to actually help you, you know, take a few first steps into this. Um, we recognize that, that even for a lot of Christians who, again, may have heard the gospel, may be able to define the gospel, 
to really see it apply to the present life of the everyday Christian, it's, it's a new thing. And so the handbook starts somewhat basic, share your story, talk through God's story, some of this kind of stuff, and then it starts to build on itself um, over the course of the eight weeks. And then again, if, if folks need more time, we also put a kind of 16-week track in it as well. And like you mentioned, there's some videos, uh, Jeff does some teaching on some of these concepts um, in addition to the written stuff and exercises. Uh, yeah, he, he's got some websites. I've got a couple of things, too. But I think the, the most simple way to find more is just gospelfluency.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as we talk about, you know, Generation Z and, and just kind of their – they're not really drawn to, to this. You know, it's a different world <laughs> coming up. What do you see the main thing we um, – we as a, as a different generation um, need to understand the most. And how do we, how do we, I, I know this book is the guide. I mean, it gives a guide, but it's, it's ongoing. But what are some basic tips? And we've kind of explained it, but let's consolidate them that you would say, as we have these conversations, even as we view this generation, I think mm-hmm. it's even how we perceive them. What are some things we need to just continually be aware of? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question because, um, again, what you're asking is basically how do we know what questions they're asking so yeah. that we know even how to answer them. Right. Um, I, I think, I think uh, that, that authenticity and being real and being relational um, are such driving values um, of, uh, well, of a lot of generations, but especially about the generation you're asking about. Um, th- there's, there's not a place for falsehood if that makes sense. Um, oh, totally. It's not a place for hypocrisy. Um, and so, uh, you know, honestly, just being realistic about our own struggles and, and sharing about places that we are unbelieving um, goes a long way because it, it, it makes us seem, which is true of us, it makes us seem like we don't have everything figured out. And just because we have the golden ticket you mentioned earlier doesn't mean that everything is, is perfect and peachy because they're too aware that life is still hard and they're too aware of our insecurities and our faults. Um, and, and frankly, the gospel or the, the Bible tells us that the gospel won't be done working in us until we die or Jesus comes back. Mm-hmm. And so to pretend like we're perfect, to pretend like we have all the answers, to pretend like we have it all together, to assume that, that we have the right to say whatever is on our mind um, without considering the spirit's guidance and then the questions they're asking, um, I think goes a long way to, to build barriers and build walls um, rather than build relationships and build trust. And I think so many times we look at things and or we look at people and we think they'll never change. Mm. And, and so we kind of like don't engage as much. Are we, we even look at the gospels, not, being really relevant. I mean, that's where some of our unbelief comes in. What yeah. would you say to this? I mean, I, I, what, I, what we're seeing is once they come to these things you talked about, once they know you really care, that you're authentic, that you're in the journey with them, it changes perceptions of God mm-hmm. and it changes perception of Jesus because most people are not anti-Jesus as they're, they're anti-Christians. And so yeah. how do we you know, really, I think that puts a responsibility in us to really live and believe like Jesus. You know, um, we've, we've changed the rules, changed the code on them. So we just have like two minutes. 
How would you address that? Yeah, I know. Everything in two minutes. I'm just warning you. Yeah. But then we have to rudely cut you off with the music. <laughs> Hit it, Ben. Let, let, me, let me ask this really big esoteric question at the very last second. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've been saving it up. That's right. I, I, but honestly, I think that, you know, so we could talk about, and we have talked about methods, and we've talked about, you know, when do we speak truth and when do we listen and, and when are we authentic and, uh, well, hopefully we're always authentic, excuse me. Um, but yeah, when do we, uh, um, I totally lost my train of thought just now. I apologize. You're anyway, we talked a lot about You're being method. authentic. <laughs> I'm being authentic. I don't know what I'm saying right now. Um, no, but we have talked a lot about methods. And, and at the same time, I think that, that to best answer your question, um, is to realize that we could, we could perfect these methods and we could, be the, the, the best possible, you know, defender of the faith or apologist for the gospel and that kind of stuff. Um, but if we think that it's up to us, we completely miss the point anyway. Um, and, and frankly, if we perfect those methods, then I think we walk really dangerously close to that line that we wanted to avoid earlier of being, being, seeing them as projects instead of seeing them as people. And so I think what I would say in summary is uh, that all of it is reliant on God salvations of the Lord, you know, if, if Zach comes to know Jesus, it's not because we said something in our power that was so magical that it worked. It's because God breathed life into Zach, not us. Um, and so even, you know, in Acts 8, where, where Jesus sends out his apostles to go and be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, that's what gets kind of talked about is the big command in Acts chapter 1. Um, but the first command is actually stop and don't go and wait on my spirit and then go thank into all the world and make disciples. Thank you, Ben, for joining our show. You've been listening to Girlfriend at Radio. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend it. The show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. 